Episode 72 at Winning at Work. I am your host, Tony Moore. Have I got a great guest today. It's not often that I actually have two podcasts with one guest. Nancy Brooks, she's the vice president of sales for one of Cisco's largest groups, the food service group. We had a technology issue. She came back. We had a secondary session. So I really got to know her, really got a better feel for her superpowers. She just connects so well with her clients, does such a great job of identifying talent, hiring, developing, mentoring, being a coach, also being coached. Really, this episode is the human side of business. So often we get into a lot of the technical nuances of sales and marketing, but this episode is just genuinely how to be a good person, connecting with everybody, getting everybody aligned, sharing that message, getting that why across, really understanding the purpose and the mission. And Nancy just does it in such a way that just seems it's so natural for her. It's obviously her superpower. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. There are going to be links to her LinkedIn profile. So sit back and enjoy this great episode with Nancy Brooks, Vice President of Cisco. Well, welcome into the program today, Nancy. Tony, thanks for having me. I am delighted to be here. It's been great to get to know you over the past month or so. Uh, you're a pleasure. You're a lot of fun to be around. Oh, well, for people who don't know, this is our second attempt. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we do have technology issues and Nancy was kind enough to come back on and have another session. And I, I'm really excited for y'all to meet her. She's the vice president of national accounts at Cisco and she's got I want y'all to get into her superpowers, but before we do, we're, I wanted her to chat a little bit about her company and get into the culture. It's such a big company. A lot of y'all know about it, but maybe you don't know about it. So, Nancy, let's turn it over to you. Uh, thanks, Tony. Um, so I'm the vice president of national accounts in food service management. So I work within a segment, and it's it's a complicated segment. So I'm, I'm really delighted to be here to, to talk a little bit about what my philosophy is in business, but also talk about Cisco. Uh, just before COVID, we had a leadership change at a very senior level, and we have a new CEO. His name is Kevin Hurricane. You probably have seen him on a podcast yourself, and he's very vocal um, in the industry. And he's come in very quickly, and he is changing our culture from what it was. I've been around for over 20 years at Cisco, and I have, I've had many jobs but it's morphing so quickly and it's truly a focus on its people. And I'm one of those people, right? So diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yes, absolutely. It's important. You know, diversity to me is not just gender, race, preference, background. It's also about thought, diversity of thought. He's done a great job in bringing folks in and inclusion. Yes. Having a seat at the table. I had a seat at the table this morning in a meeting with our new chief information officer, a brilliant ma'am. But it's also about equity, which to me is about making people the best that they can be. So he's made a rapid change in our organization. And one of the greatest things I think he's brought to us is a purpose statement. You know, you ask the question, why do we exist? And he has made a purpose statement, which is every associate within Cisco is empowered uh, to make decisions, right? And it's really about their leadership. Everyone is, it has the ability to step up, make change, use their voice, and our purpose statement is connecting the world to share food and care for one another. 
And it's a beautiful statement because during COVID, when the world fell apart, you know, our, our goal was to not, A, throw away food, right, because we had inbound product coming in. But then also we had people who were hungry. And, and we also supported, we donated uh, uh, 50 million meals globally because we're a global company. But then we also supported every sector, every segment of business in the field, in the street, in national accounts. How do we feed people when they're hungry during a global pandemic? And I think we stepped up to the table as well as our competitors did as well. We have great competitors in the field. So that is really about who Cisco is today and where we're heading in the future. And I'm delighted to be a part of that as we grow and as we change. I think it is so important to have a purpose, to have a mission statement, something that people get behind. And being in food, it's it's natural to want to include, you know, helping others. I mean, that is the essence of the food business is helping, feeding and, and caring for others. So I think it's I think it's wonderful that that's being pushed down from the top. You know, you, you mentioned there's a lot of change happening quickly. Have you noticed a, partic- a particular style of how this change is being implemented? You guys are obviously a very large company. Have you have you picked up anything in terms of the uh, the tactic? You know, it's hard to get people to move. It's very hard. Change management for any organization is difficult. Exactly. And then prioritizing, right? What is the most important? What is the and it's it, and it's about having patience and being steady. Right? You can't just react. To, it's not like a squirrel or a puppy. I, I have someone on my team who I, we joke about it. When he first came to my team, I, I shared with him, hey, stop chasing the yellow ball. You, know? <laughs> you, the, you hired a golden retriever. I see. Okay. <laughs> well, he's a great partner. He's a great business partner. But he, I only had to say it once, and he completely understood what I was talking about. It's not the flavor of the moment. You need to have steady patience. It's like training for a marathon. You run a marathon one mile at a time. So you have to take the big picture, prioritize bucket, and then assign resources to it. And you can't do everything and you can't do it all at once. So I would say our new leadership team has done a very good job of that and will continue to morph every every week as we go by, as the economy comes back, as the in- food service industry comes back. They're doing a good job of it. Yeah, and as long as food service and you know the last mile can rehire and staff up, you know that's going to be critical. I think for a lot of these budgets to be realized. Um, well, yeah, so tell us a little bit more about your segment before we get into more specifically, you know, your your superpower, which I really do want to get into, but I, I'm holding off. I'm trying to be patient. What? Um, t- tell us a little bit more about your segment. It's, it's interesting. A lot of folks don't understand from a food service distribution, right? Um, before my grandmother uh, passed away, she used to say to me, so Nancy, what do you do for a living? You know, this woman passed away at 99. So imagine she was born in 1901. So it was hard to explain what I did. I said, I finally got to simplify it. And I said, Grandma, I sell green beans and French fries, right? Well, that's, <laughs> that's a simplistic statement. But the reality, yesterday was National Friday. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I saw that on LinkedIn. That's right. Yes. Um, so, you know, the segment that I work in today. Sorry, that was my chasing yellow ball moment. No, that's okay. That's all right. You're a good gentleman, Mr. Moore. You're a good gentleman. <laughs> um, but my segment, I, so I've worked in every segment. We're segmented into four pockets. We have restaurant. We have healthcare. We have um 
travel, leisure, retail, and then we have my segment, which is um, food service management. So my customers will go in and they'll they'll be the people scooping the green beans and paying the bills in a hospital or in a stadium or um, in a in a you know in Google or Microsoft. It's interesting because so, so nobody knows what we do, but we're a big chunk of Cisco's entire organization. So people don't really know about food service management. And today, the greatest challenge that we have is not just, you know, COVID has changed our world. I, we all know forever, but our supply chain has been crippled. And none of that is a surprise to any of your listeners, right? Just try in the beginning of COVID going to the grocery store and trying to buy paper towels or paper products, you couldn't find it. Well, today, because we need people to come in, everyone on this podcast has gone into a restaurant, tried to order something, and the, the waiter or waitress will say, I'm sorry, we don't have that. Or restaurants are closing two days a week because they can't get product and they, they don't have it. It's free, you know, I'm not, I'm not doom and gloom, but it's recovering slowly, just as we need to try to get associates to come to work to pick our groceries and drive our trucks. This is industry-wide. We need people to come in and wash dishes and wait tables. That's industry-wide. And then we also need our manufacturers to be able to make the products that we sell on our trucks that our restaurants use or our food service management customers use. And that's very public, and it's recovering, but it's recovering slowly, and the country's opening quickly. Yeah, you really do need a lot of patience when you go back out to eat. You have to have an extreme amount of patience with the restaurants. You just can't expect that service just to bounce back immediately. What, what other trends are you noticing right now? Well, because of supply chain issues, it, it's, a, um, it's, it's almost a weekly change. The word is overused, but we have restaurants and healthcare and K-12, which is kindergarten to high school and higher education, the, the menus have to be that much more flexible and they're pivoting, they're changing. They have to rewrite a menu every night. Uh, you know, my husband and I went out last weekend and we went to a restaurant and the server came up and looked stressed. And I said, all right, tell me what you're out of. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, you totally just took the stress out of it for them. Oh, they smiled. They were like, ah, okay. So oh, I think, she gets it. Yeah. And, and I think we all, we know that, but even still, even still go to the grocery store and look at the shelves. You'll see where the supply chain is struggling. Uh, so no pickles. I'm going to tell you, we can't find pickles out here in Atlanta. Well, and, and, you know, because of where product is manufactured, depending on the ship point, that's where you're seeing, you know, there's pockets, there's regionalization of shortages of product in the supply chain. So, so, that trend, I do hope, will ease, and we've seen uh, restaurants, just every every business raising their hourly rate. I don't know how long they can do that. That's going to put incredible pressure on the margins, but they're obviously doing what they can. They're offering signing bonuses to get people back to work. I think the extended unemployment benefits are starting to wane now state by state. So, you know, summer will end, I, I really hope, by the fall. You know, this is... I hope so too. You know, we're aggressively out there. Um, you know, we, we have incentives as well. Let me put a plug in for Cisco. If you have a license to drive a, a truck, come come talk to Cisco, your local Cisco operating company, Cisco.com. CDL, right? CDL, CDL license. Yep. CDL license. 
we have great packages, great benefits, competitive wages. We're a great company to work for. Same working in our warehouse. Uh, but that's that's the reality. You know, the 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 driver situation, even before COVID, a couple of years before COVID, that driver was aging out. The group that was that was driving a truck was aging out. So we're we're working on creative ways to entice drivers to come work for us. And this is not just food service. It is in every transportation, any any distribution company or manufacturer that's in distribution, moving product from point A to point B, everyone's having trouble finding drivers. So I'll give you a tip of where you can find them. Yeah, that's right. I'll give you a tip. Where? Uh, school, school bus drivers. Oh, okay. All they right. They all have their TDL. Okay. That is a great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Tony. Yep. We were talking offline that Nancy has completed how many marathons? Six? Six. That's impressive. Um, and some very long bike rides. Well, I'm also part of some cycling clubs over here in Atlanta. And one of the guys that I cycle with is the head of transportation for one of the major, like the one of the largest counties in Georgia. And he was talking about the fact that they're constantly, you know, bringing in and hiring and training new bus drivers and they all get their CDL. They all get trained for free. And I'll, and I, and I said, well, why are you having a hard time? He says, well, they get trained and then they leave. I'm like, don't you make them have like a non-compete? And he said, no, we don't. So, okay. Well, so there you go. All right. You're going to get a thank you card from me, Tony. I'm going to, when I get off this podcast with you, I'm going to make sure that we're recruiting bus drivers. I mean, <laughs> it sounds crazy, but they have their CDL. So, okay. That's great. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> I think what was kind of, what kind of intrigued you, I think initially to come on, you know, the podcast was we, we talked a little bit about superpowers and some people, you know, they're, they don't like to think about them or they don't like to think that they have a superpower, but, you know, in talking to you, you know, it became, you know, pretty clear that for you to ascend and work at the level that you do as, as a vice president in a large company, you know, you made it very clear building business partnerships, developing teams, developing talent. That is where you excel. And you understand the, the, the importance of that. And I, I really want you to come on and talk to us more about your style. How do you do this? How do you operate in a, in a large company? Because clearly you have to have this skill, this talent to, to get promoted. Hmm. I, that's very kind of you. I, I will tell you that um, uh, I've received lots of coaching over the years. I've had some great mentors in my career. That's a shout out to anybody who's listening to this. If you don't have a mentor, I don't care if you're, about your tenure. I don't care about your age. I don't care about your experience. Everyone needs a coach. Everyone. And I'm very, I'm very fortunate to have had many in my career. What I've learned in very young, I made lots of mistakes when I was first selling on the street. And when I, when I became a, a district sales manager, the first female district sales manager in my operating company for Cisco, I learned that if you talk, whether you, you have to talk to a customer or talk to an associate rather than talking at them. So when we're talking to each other, we can't say, this is the way we're going to do this. We have to ask, what is it that you need, right? What is it that you're looking for? And words matter very, 
overused statement, words matter, and tone matters more. Right? How you say it, what you say. And I do my very best, and I've learned to do this, that if you have to say no to a customer, how you use the words and the tone. Well, I can't do this, Mr. Customer, Miss Customer, but I can do that. How, how does this sound to you? If you're always coming with a resolution, if, if there's technology challenges, if there's financial implications, say, look, I can do this, but it's going to cost X or Y. Or technology issues are not that we can't currently run that report for you the way you're asking for it. I can do this. Does this work? And if not, the cost of creating that re- report is X. Then are you willing to pay for it or split the difference, whatever that might be. So I I think it's really important in building business partnerships is knowing what the strategic initiatives are of that customer and proper planning every year, every meeting, every week, every month, every quarter, but knowing what the strategic initiatives are for that customer is really important. And do they align with your own? And if they don't align with your own, then your job as a sales leader is to ensure that the organization is aware that we're not aligned with our customers' strategic initiatives. Um, Could you talk me through that? Because that sounds very important. I've heard this not only for you know business to business, but for individuals that companies need to align with your personal values. So I think there's a lot of lessons that can be learned in this. I know you may not be able to give specifics, but maybe give a little more about that. So I'll give you an example. I had a CEO, I had a meeting, a one-on-one with a CEO who came, I saw him coming at me across a room and I was like, okay, well, he's coming over for a purpose. And he came out, shook my hand, still holding my hand, said, what's the problem between our two companies? And I said, well, since you've asked me a very direct question, I'll give you a very direct answer. He brought his nose close to mine and he said, I asked you, I expect a direct answer. And I said to him, but we talk at each other rather than to each other. We, we're not in step. We might be, we're, we're working together, but we're not understanding. And this is so contrite, but we're not walking hand in hand. We don't understand what really what you need and you don't understand what we need. And it really changed. It was a pivotal, pivotal change in the relationship. And, and from there, it's not perfect by any means, but from there, we, we've learned to respect if you respect each other, you know, same as associates, uh, teammates, but customers, we have to respect that the customer is actually paying the bills, but that we also provide a service and we deserve to get paid for that service, for, regardless of industry that you're in. You're there to make money, and that's not a bad word. Being profitable is not a bad word. I'm glad you said that because – you also said that sometimes you have to say no to a customer, but you also come follow that up with a, a solution. So you're not just saying no, but the actual process of saying no to a customer means that you actually understand your own business. You understand your own business objectives because that's why you're saying no, that it doesn't align. We can't do that. It's going to bust our margins or whatever. So I think that's a, a great step. You know, I think it takes courage to say no to a customer. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's a great book, uh, Courageous Conversations. Don't ask me who wrote it. <laughs> but, oh, of course, I was just getting ready to say that. Okay, know, Courageous Conversations. I'll yeah. look it up and I'll link it. Yeah, it's it, and not being afraid, right? Feeling empowered. I think um, I think one of the most important things, and I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go on a dovetail here, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. If, if we go into every conversation 
whether it's a business conversation, customer to customer, it's important to me. I know in this world that we're doing podcasts, we're doing WebExes, but when it's, when it's really problematic, you need to be knee to knee, eyeball to eyeball. And you have to go into the conversation assuming good intent. I think that's, it's very easy to complain, right? So there's a great, um, TEDx talk that someone shared with me. I love it. And it talks about mastering your communications. I can tell you that I've watched this 16 minute TEDx probably a hundred times. And it talks about, you know, um, five different attitudes or ways that we communicate, right? So first you can, you can attack someone. You can, and that's where we misbehave, right? We blame, we gossip, and that's usually someone who doesn't have a, a wide, varied experience, either through leadership or, um, you know, just work experience in a business setting. And then next, we self-blame. We judge ourselves. We feel rejected if a customer fires us or doesn't buy or whatever whatever position role that you're in. But in food service, I sell. And then you have someone who waits and sees. Yeah, they're vigilant and they're observant. And I was stuck in that place for a very long time. I would observe, I'd be vigilant, which is not a bad place to be. The first two are not good. Then, then we detect our own behavior, right? We're growing. We, we feel that our voice is valuable. That's the inclusion part where you feel you can speak up. You understand who you are and what you offer. And we own our own behavior and how we're acting. And then lastly, probably the most important part for anyone who's in a sales leadership role is what does the other party want? And that's where I go back to, we talk at each other and not to each other. So when you put yourself in the seat of the customer, right, put the customer in the room, we've all heard that, but when you really put yourself in their seat and say, empathy, what do they want? <clears throat> Putting egos aside, which is very difficult to do, especially if you've been successful in your career. I think the older I get, the more humble I get, if that makes any sense, right? And this yeah, is where that's the sign of you realize there's so much out there that you don't know. Oh my gosh. Every day I learn well, something maybe different for you, but I mean, that, that's what, that's no, part, partly me, you know, that you're no. young, you think you know everything and you get older, you realize, gosh, I don't know anything. Nothing. I, every time I go into a room, there's not a conversation, Tony, that I don't go into where I say, man, I learned something. Right. And I try Half to write the time it I go in, I go in and I say, God, help me, you know, <laughs> give me the wisdom to understand or, you know, know what to do because. That's right. Yeah. But, yeah. But that last so point, you, right? That, you, that, so you said you were kind of stuck. You said you were sort of stuck in that wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, oh gosh, probably, probably 10 or 12 years ago, I, I felt, you know, when you're trying to navigate the politics of working for a large organization, you say, okay, well. I better just listen, right? And then I said, well, wait a minute. I, I have something to offer. I'm going to use my voice. And I did. And that's when you start seeing respectfully, right? The, the right tone, the right place, the right time. And that's when I started moving up in the organization, when I started really using that voice in a way that was effective, growing sales, growing profitable sales, and then really bringing people along. And that's one of my other... I. I the one thing that I learned a number of years ago, if you want to talk about, which I, I love the fact that you call it a superpower, um, I guess, is that not every cross-functional person who touches my business, every cross-functional team member, every one of them can tell you what the strategic initiatives are that I am working on, my team and I are working on with my customer. 
every one of them, so they understand the why. If everybody understands the why, then they know what to do. I'll go back to the purpose statement that Kevin Hurricane, our CEO, why do we exist? If you know why you exist, it means that when someone gives you a project, you know that you're bringing value, right? That's the most well, important thing. Okay, so thing. walk me through this practically, though, Nancy. Yeah. So yeah. You're not you so you're not going to be talking at your employees, right? Or your your associates, your sales managers and leaders. So how do you present the why? Do you have a specific meeting where you I have a cross-functional team meeting every week. It lasts for 30 minutes. If we go long, it'll go an hour. And we go we've obviously we have an agenda. <laughs> we have projects that we're following up on. We have a tracking mechanism. We have a customer relationship management tool that we use, we log into. And everybody then will report up or update on the projects that they're working on on behalf of my customer. And it was clunky for the first and we're doing this for three years, four years. It was clunky the first few months. And then people started getting jazzed up. They were using their voice. They were, and now actually people will come to me and say, Hey, hey, Nance, I have this thought about, you know, this. What do you think? And I say, Run with it. I think it's great. Or I'll say, I think the idea is great. I would approach it in this manner because the customer behaves in this way. And Tony, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to watch people get jazzed up. And they, when they come, when people come to you and say, I think I have a solve for this problem, they're happy. They're engaged. They feel valued. And I'm happy because they're helping me be more successful. Yes. You feel like you've reached like the pinnacle when you you have staff that are that you know engaged they're motivated they're bringing ideas you know you've gone from the you know management to leadership at that point right you're not managing people now they are fully functioning high functioning and and producing that's that's the greatest feeling and it takes time to get your team to get there it does and then the wonderful thing that happens when teams start to work that way, folks get promoted and you start over. <laughs> oh, yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. We are now going to make you a feeder and you're going <laughs> to right. train everybody else. So That's all right. I don't mind. Um, it's great though. When people, listen, you want to know that you're going to get promoted. You want to know there's a career that's path. True. That's right? true. It's an, it does encourage other people to work harder and things like that. That's right. That's right. Uh, kind of a side-related question that you talk about having to, to train and develop more people. Are you how geographically dispersed is your team, and how challenging have you found it? You know, working remotely, training remotely, things like that. Well, I think um, COVID has certainly showed us that you can do a lot of things not in person. Um, my team is spread out across uh, several states and then cross-functionally within each of our operating sites and regions, there are folks who are responsible who touch my business and those folks are there in North America, right? Canada and the U.S. And then we have subsidiary companies that we partnership. That's the one Cisco approach, right? It's, we have a, a broad line distribution. We have specialty produce, meat, seafood. Your, you know, imports, and that we're all over the, we're all over North America, let alone the globe, right? So we're used to it, Tony. How's that? 
I, I guess that I think that's what it is. You're just used to it. And I, I think it's, it's challenging for smaller mid-sized companies and, you know, the, the prospect of trying to hire and train people remotely, maybe Matt, honestly, it could just be a reflection of me because I am so used to, and so d- desire to be around people, have that face-to-face interaction for training and for, for sales that I just feel like you lose so much of that when you're, when those people can't be in the office to learn and train. So that's probably just a me problem. No, I don't think it's a you problem. I think a lot of people feel that way. I would tell you I felt differently about remote workers five years ago, right? If you want top talent and for whatever reason they can't move, what, would you pass up on top talent because they can't move? I wouldn't. The answer should be no. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would say, yeah, no problem. I'll be flexible. In this environment, we must be flexible, right? There's a lot of people to pull from for open roles. Right. They really are. I guess the flip side is you better have structure. You better have a way of of measuring performance so you can spot trouble if it comes up. I mean, that's part of what you do is developing teams. So I imagine... You've got you have a very sophisticated way of of tracking that. I've gotten I, I have for 26 years. I'll be 27 years in October. I've never not been paid for performance. Never not. That's a double I, negative, and that means she gets paid for performance. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So it's in other words, the teams that you're you, you've been managing wrap up to your budget. So if your whole team is performing, you get a performance bonus. So yeah. you have figured it out. So what's the secret? I guess tr- I have a hard time sometimes trusting people. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? If you if you cannot trust your associate, it's time to, to make them available to the industry. Right, Tony? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> for lack of better words. Um, I, I think that if, if you're a micromanager – Right. I, I have two truths. One is I believe, or one business philosophy. One, I believe is the truth will set you free. If you, if you live your business world as the truth will set you free, that just makes your life a whole lot easier. You don't have to, you don't have to remember a story that you told, right? This is and true. Then, and then if you don't, if you don't trust your teammates, find other teammates. Or if you don't trust your company, find another company, Right. Well, that, okay. So that kind of loops us back to, thank you. And that does loop us back to, you said your business strategic initiatives need to align with that of your customers. That's right. Why does a customer fire a company? Why do you, why do you get fired from a job? Why do you get fired from a company? Right. You do. You, the only reason why someone would fire Cisco is if we can't get the product at the right time, the right price, the right temperature, pre-COVID, <laughs> during COVID, that's a different story right now. <laughs> no, don't, worry. Right. Yeah, don't, don't hold me to that one. Make sure that one makes the podcast, Tony. But yeah, do not, do not delete that. Um, it's like putting your shoes on every day, right? What is your core? What is your purpose to deliver groceries, right? What is your purpose? If you're a doctor, you do medical procedures. If you're a surgeon, you better be really good. And and by the way, I even think surgeons and doctors need coaching, by the way. They need mentors, by the way. Um, everybody, I don't care what business you're in, you need feedback. You've heard this a million times. Feedback is a gift. Coaching is a gift. I currently formally mentor two people right now. 
I have one internal coach at Cisco and I have one external external coach from Cisco. And every time I talk to them, I learn. Every time I talk to them, I, I, I'm more humbled in what I don't know, but I'm also grateful for what people have taught me in the decades. I have learned from some great people and I've learned some from really bad people, Tony. <laughs> how, you- so how formalized is your process with your, with your coach, your, my, your mentor? My personal coach. Yes. The, the mentee is the responsible associate. Correct. I, I make the appointments. I put time on the calendar. I set the agenda. Right. And you set the agenda. Now, are you finding that you as the mentor, that your mentees, do they follow that same process or did you have to bring them along to that? Or was that something gave, that they knew? No, I, I told them that when people ask, will you, will you be my mentor? Okay. Yeah, no problem. It's all on you. Right. And not to be, that's not being obnoxious, but I'm, I'm not your mother. I'm not your boss, right? I'm your, I'm your coach and I will give you anything. If you reach out to me, I will give you back. Anyone within our organization is morphing through tremendous change. And when people come to me and they ask me a question, I, my response has to be because people have given this to me. Yes. How can I help you? Tell me how I, I'm not going to force myself, but if you ask me for help, how can I help you? If that becomes your mantra at work, people will notice it and you will benefit. Your world opens up. How can I help you? Go back to those five steps. Do you attack? Do you gossip? Do you blame yourself? Are you vigilant and observant? If you're that in the first two, if you misbehave, if you blame others, if you gossip, if you judge or feel rejected or self-blame, if you're stuck in those first two styles of communication, your career will stagnate. Yeah, I'm just letting that sink in. I mean, I hope people are hearing that. I, I, you know, that's not just your career. That could be your life. Yeah, yeah, that's could true. Be. Yeah, Could be, could be. Talk a little bit more about developing teams, but also from the angle of maybe how you could help a hiring leader. You've obviously hired You've been running teams that directly and indirectly through cross-functional. So you've been a part of a lot of interviews, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hundreds, if not more. <laughs> probably more than you want to remember. Yeah, I know, right? Well, because my organization is morphing, right? So I'll, I'll, I'll use what I like to call recent and relevant. We're changing so rapidly, and we're bringing in so many new folks from the outside. And that, again, too, that's a blessing, Right? Embrace people from the outside. Embrace them. Bring them in. Help them on board. But then also from a hiring manager, look within your portfolio of associates. Because sometimes, and we've had this conversation before, sometimes yeah. that shiny new penny looks really good in maybe three or four interviews, hour interviews or panel interviews, however you do it. But sometimes there's a really tarnished, dirty 50 cent or dollar piece, right? that with a little bit of polishing has a lot of runway. So don't forget to look within your current associates that are in the building that maybe have been overlooked, right? Yeah, that's definitely wise, particularly if you're in a larger organization and you have the opportunity to look at a, a broader, a broader slate of candidates. 
Now, I, with your your background in sales, let's say you had to hire a salesperson, a you know a mid level, you know mid career salesperson. Um, what advice would you have for trying to identify if if they really do have the skills or the ability to fit into your culture? What do you look for? Are there certain interview questions you have, a style that you approach people with? I believe that if you're at a mid-level sales associate, whether for us it's a street sales associate, sales consultant, or in, in my case, I might be hiring a senior director to help me manage my business. I, I don't having them be an expert in that field that that is helpful. But being open to change, being open to coaching, right? Being known as coachable. If you're known as coachable. You can't teach that, Tony, right? You can't say, listen, I can teach you about fresh chicken. I can teach you about how you break down a subprimal and box beef. I can teach you about French fries. There's a lot to know about French fries, but I can't teach attitude. And if you have, and you know that in an interview, Tony, you know that. If you don't have a good positive yeah, attitude outlook, jumps out of the page. It definitely yeah. jumps out. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say the page. It jumps out at, at in a Zoom or face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Resumes. I remember 30 years ago or 26 years ago when I was first hired. You keep hiring. dating yourself. You I know, know I, I thought we agreed we're 21 and holding. <laughs> okay. How about how about 39 and holding? I'm not that that's old. I'm, come on. I'm a, I'm a grandma. That probably I'm... sounds better. <laughs> I, I'm happy to be a grandmother. I don't know too grandmother. many VPs at Cisco that are 21, so I, I think true. you're right. That's true. Um but way back, way back in the day, I would, I would see people go through resumes. You know, if it didn't hit, check the box, it got in one pile. It was, there's always three piles. Does it meet, do they have the work yeah, experience? Yeah, no, maybe, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, so the, the resume is really important. But if you're looking for a job, obviously, it's up to you to seek out that job and to follow up in any way that you can. And now there's so much, so many different ways using social media, you know, email, phone calls and whatnot. That's really important. But I think what's also um, important is that the organization is open to bringing people in from a different segment of business, which my organization is, and, and they have ex expertise in retail, uh, maybe from a soda company or a different type of distribution company that, that assimilation helps if you have that kind of background. You know, Tony, it's kind of like when an organization goes, is, is in an mergers and acquisitions mode, that M&A is not looking to bring in, unless it's a, an initiative, they're looking to bring in a company that blends in nicely with the culture, with, with the, what they're currently doing, right? That's, that's business school 101. Will that acquisition blend into the organization or are we trying to go in a different direction? I think it's the same thing when you're trying to hire someone. Attitude is important, but I just too often we're given very complex search assignments with skills, skills and experience. And, you know, talking to you, it is refreshing. I, I, I wish all of my clients would maybe focus a little more on attitude and, you know, less on you have to have a Rolodex or you have to have a certain skill set just because I kind of feel like talent is talent and it can, it can mold, it can change. I, I kind of think of it as like, if you had a chance to bring Tom Brady to your team 
and you're in the interview process and you know, you, you say, all right, Tom, do you, do you play in Nike shoes? He's like, no, I play in Reebok shoes. I've got a contract with Reebok. Well, we can't hire him. He's not wearing Nike shoes. Oh. It just would be absurd. Yeah, that is absurd. It's absurd because they have the talent. And we run into that quite a bit where we find very, very talented people, but they just don't fit some little skill bucket and they get overlooked. And yeah. I don't know how we're going to break that mold, but I talk about it. I hope people hear I agree with you. That is probably most important. Knowing an industry is helpful. Knowing how to be uh, assertive, resilient, uh, thoughtful, a good uh, a good speaker. Uh, what you know, depending on what you're trying to hire for, you can teach that. Now, granted, it might be a longer learning curve, but I'd rather have somebody who can turn on a dime and can jump in. With, with you know, a new hire outside the company, completely outside the industry, they need a buddy. They need a buddy. They need someone to help them. They need someone to help them understand the organization as it is. And it's only usually only a few months. I have a a woman who's become a really close friend of mine, who seven years ago, the person I reported to then said, "Hey, will you take her under your wing?" And it was great. Right? We, we, it was awkward at first, and we became great friends because I saw how how bright she was, how intuitive she was. That's and we now she's left our company, but we're still very good friends because of it. So, and I like that you you know had that little buddy system in place, and I think that's a great idea, and that's really assigning someone almost like a mentor just to show them the ropes. I think that's that's great. Yeah, I don't care. And we're executives and we did that. So think about that. What if you did that with your... Oh, yeah, that's even that. Yeah, that's even a little more challenging, right? You kind of have to... Well, if you're if you're a smart, intelligent, thoughtful person, then you see it as for what it is. It's yeah. a help. You know, it, a smart executive will should take the help. That's right. That's right. It, it's... Anyway, it's emotional, it's emotional intelligence at its best, Tony. <laughs> well... I, for one, am so thrilled that you and I were able to get back together for a second go-round. I think this was even better than the first one, to be honest with uh, you. Thank you, Tony. Well, I think the first one, my husband husband was mowing outside my window. I think mowing outside your window. Yeah. We have a lot of property. I live in Vermont, Tony. <laughs> we have a lot of property. And, of course, he was hovering right by my window. And I'm on the second floor in my office. And I'm looking at the window like if I roll, if I open up the window and throw something out, you think he'll notice? Shush him. <laughs> That's funny. Tony, well, you've been, my wife you've been a says, Yeah. My, my, my wife says you start with good raw material and you mold it. And I asked her, I said, are, are we done? You know, are, are you? is this process over? So apparently it's not. But um, That's funny. So you just got to keep working with them. Hey, um, I'm a work in progress well, too, Tony. My husband's, you know, molding me. So I'm good. <laughs> well, Nancy, it's been just an absolute pleasure to really learn a little bit more about Cisco and all the changes that are that are happening and just your philosophy and really the skills that you've been leaning into. And I hope people have learned more about how to take more charge of their career through the, your the, kind of your, your own practical advice. What are the best ways for people to connect with you? Is it just on LinkedIn or do you have any other social platforms? No, I, I um, LinkedIn would be wonderful by all means. I welcome it on LinkedIn. My uh, 
our daughter and son-in-law are teaching me how to use Instagram. <laughs> so, oh, link, I know. Don't don't make fun of me, Tony. But well, LinkedIn. I'm not making fun of you, but I think we'll just stick with LinkedIn because yeah. it'd be like I, I, it'd be like my daughter. You know, she shows me everything that's on TikTok, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to put anything on TikTok. So. No, no, I think LinkedIn is a professional format. You know, I, I don't use it as people use Facebook. LinkedIn is perfect, so I welcome it. And Tony, if I can help you in any way, please let me know. Perfect. Well, I will. I'm going to link your profile in the podcast for for eternity. So everyone, when they hear this, if they want to go connect with you and learn more about Cisco, they can reach out to you directly. Um, Nancy, thank you so much for being here today. Of course, Tony. It's been it's been a pleasure. Truly, from the moment I said yes to the dress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You got to tell the story now. You have to. <laughs> well, you know, I. Not only are you an entertaining podcast, or really bringing really interesting folks. I've listened to several of your podcasts. So those of you, if you happen to listen to this, listen to some others. But Tony had approached me through LinkedIn. And yeah, everyone, it's kind of like a robocall about your, your car warranty expiring. Uh, you sent me a few. <laughs> sorry, just kidding, Tony. But you sent no, me a few messages. No, listen. It's hard to get people's attention. <laughs> well, you, here's how Tony got my attention. He sent me an email to my work address. And you said like one sentence, Nancy, this is my last message to you. I would like to get together with you to talk about, you know, X, Y, Z. And you had two boxes in the email. It was a yes box and a no box. And they didn't really work, right? (laughs) One was red and one was green. green. (laughs) And, And I didn't, I went to click on them and I just hit reply and I said, all right, Tony, yes, I'll meet with you whatever day it was. And then I, at the end I said, why do I feel like I just said yes to the dress? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I love her already. <laughs> I thought I've, I've got someone, a, a kindred spirit. Uh, so, if you don't have humor, Tony, you've got nothing in this you've world. You've got right? nothing. We didn't even talk about that in this podcast, yeah. but it right. is so important. I literally, I can't imagine hiring someone or working with people who don't have some level of humor. They just would never mesh with me in the least bit. <laughs> yeah. If I spend so much time with the people that I work with, and, and the great thing is, is you can you can be cracking a joke for thirty seconds and then on a dime go right to business. You don't have to be a clown all the time, but if you don't have humor, <laughs> man, life's pretty boring. So it is, and it's life gives you a lot of things to cry about too. So I'd rather try to laugh a little bit more. So yeah, I'm with you. Um, well, thank you, and thank you for sharing that hilarious story. <laughs> she said yes to the dress, folks. And this is what we get. We have 50 minutes of gold with Nancy Brooks. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Tony. Take care. <laughs>